Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, ESPN2, Sirius XM Channel 80. Say play ESPN, we pop up on your smart speakers. You can download the podcast. What's going on? Good morning, Key. Up, Good morning, Jay. Good morning, mornings, morning, 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 morning. See, uh, long weekend. Yeah, I see that, Jay. Yeah, emotional. I see a that lot of stuff going on. It's weird, man. I, I it, like. All right, let's not let's not <laughs> jump right into the result. What was it like, man? There you are. You're one of how many players at Duke even have their number retired? I think it's like eight. Seven eight play eight. seven or eight people at Duke with their number retired, Duke basketball, two-time player of the year. You won the national title with Coach K. It's his last home game. There you are with everybody. And what, what was it like? Well, it sucked because we got smacked, to be honest with you. Um, but the, the moment before that, it, it was just great being around all my old teammates. You know, Shane Battier, Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer. Um, you know, some guys couldn't come back because they were either coaching or playing, but – having G. Hill, Grant Hill, Christian Leitner uh, in the locker room, all Coach K, his family. Uh, it, it was a surreal moment to have 90 of us together. Um, the intro was one of the dopest things I've ever seen because we all formed like an alleyway essentially for him to walk out in. Everybody had their phones out. We were taking videos of it. There's a lot of hoopla uh, before the game, which was – you know, very abnormal for Coach K. He doesn't like any of that type of stuff, right? He's going into battle. He wants to focus on the game. And you can, tell, you can just tell, man, like the, the moment for this young basketball team looked overwhelming for everything. that came. It, it, There was a Super Bowl feeling to it, Max. I mean, everything from outside, it was packed with fans, kids. I mean, cameras. It was like a Super Bowl. You think, you think afterwards Coach K is there – Cursing, talking about, see, this is why I don't like all this stuff. Look at what happens. Was it like that? It was just one of those, man, like all of us former players, and I, I get it. Like, we've all been on the wrong side of it. <laughs> we've all felt this wrath of Coach K. But the, the one thing that was disappointing from our perspective was, damn, man, like just show some fight. Mm-hmm. It was almost as if we just – our team just looked young and they were out there. Like, UNC ran the same set multiple times, scored on it, we just came down offensively. We were one-dimensional. We had no ball movement. It was like, hey, Paolo, score, or nobody else did anything. We lacked the leadership, and I think that was probably the most infuriating, frustrating moment for him. And But I, I'll tell you this. like, I, There's a meme of me calling timeout, right? They went like on a pretty big run. I'm saying, call timeout, call timeout, call timeout. And he didn't call timeout. And almost in a way, it was like, he was like, okay, go. You guys want to play that way? You don't want to respect the game that way? Go ahead. Play this way. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Man, man. I saw you, though. You you had your little white shirt on, sitting there cheesing from ear to ear and <laughs> acting like you went to Duke, you know, and not just walked through the campus. It was pretty interesting to see. Um, but you know what? As he said, it's not over with yet. Y'all still got the tournament and all that stuff. So cap it off with a national championship, and it'll be sweet. Yeah, yeah. we ain't winning no championship. All forgotten. It did. I, I checked in on you here and there. It was. Um, it was. It looked like. It. I thought this about the Nets also against the Celtics. It felt like a game like yeah, it's striking distance back. You know, like not that bad. They'll cut. never happened. The, the flip never switched. Davis, Manic, uh, Baycott. They. This, uh, they just. I mean, they had four, four starters at eighty points. Yeah. And then the key the 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 most 
kind of like real moment was after the game was over. Obviously, there's all these, you know, this uh, award ceremony where they present Coach K with all these different things from the alumni. And, I mean, he came out and he put all the Duke players not on our bench, on the bench that North Carolina sat on, first off, which you never see that. And then he did the whole impromptu speech, which was just one of the realest things you've ever heard and would never expect Coach K to say on the night of his last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Mm. Um, we're going to hear that in 30 minutes, by the way, here on Keyshawn J. Willemax. Speaking of Duke, and I mentioned the Celtics and the, and the Nets. A bright spot. Jason Tatum will join us at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, fresh off his 54. What? <laughs> he dropped against the Nets. Ooh. And it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Here is Jason Tatum on ABC after dropping, again, 54 on Brooklyn's head. Listen. It's fun the way we play. Um, obviously, we've been on a good stretch. Um, everybody's been healthy. And uh, we're just having fun competing. You know, it wasn't always pretty today, but you know, everybody contributed, and we just figured it out. Those are the best wins when you just figure it out, find a way to win, however, you know, whatever it takes. And that's what we did. So a month, a month ago, I was about to get ready to go on first take, and we were talking about what's happening around the league. And I said it to one of our producers. I'm like, yo, the Boston Celtics can end up finishing top three in the East when this thing is said and done just because of the way they have been playing. Derek White that came over from the Spurs. You know, Marcus coming back smart. Defensive tenacity bringing to the table. Jalen Brown. Everybody kept talking about breaking up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, like, man, look, that's not the answer. He got two incredible wings that can defend and score at a high rate. And as much as we talk about John Morant, as much as we talk about Luka Doncic, as much as we talk about all these young players that are going to be the face of the league, we don't really mention the name Jason Tatum anymore. And it's been, it's been blowing my mind because last night for him to have 54, it just he is one – like, he reminds me so much of Kobe. That's why when we talk about what kind of trades – should the Lakers make or try to go for? I'm not saying the Boston Celtics will ever go for it, but there's so much of that in the way he plays, and he put on size and frame now. Uh, his game's just built to be one of the best. Game is so smooth, Key. Jason Tatum's offense, he's got a counter for whatever you want to throw at him. He's just, he's got it. Well, it's time. It, it, you know, I hate to say it this way, but it's about time because, you know, a year or two ago, we was all wondering if he would take the mantle from the Celtics and be the guy, be the leader, like be that guy. That's what they was missing a couple years ago. They didn't have that alpha dog, so to speak, and I think a lot of us was looking for Jason Tatum to be the guy. And clearly this year he's showing that. Just look at his career statistics everywhere is at the top for him this year. He's dropping 27 points a game on your head. So I think his – I think as so to speak, the light has turned on – for him, I know he was a baller from the beginning, but not at this level. Meaning, like he's taking he's taking control of exactly who he is. What about that, Jay? Like I always thought, Tatum could eventually be the best uh, offensive player on a championship team, right? It looked that way to me, but I know what Key is talking about. It's like something has there. There's that. There's the skills package, but then there's also the mentality that has to come together at a certain point usually doesn't happen your rookie year he's always had the mentality though like he's always been that dude that's that wants the ball down the stretch not afraid of the big moments doesn't we we see a lot of people shy away from big moments that's not who Jason Tatum is um I think it was a matter of 
how they're playing. You know, Marcus Smart is a is a pivotal. He is the Draymond Green to the Golden State That's Warriors, a great right? One. Yeah. The Golden State Warriors have lost their last eight of ten games because they're missing their quarterback, and that's what Marcus Smart is to a degree. He leads huddles, and Jason and Jalen are so. But Jalen Brown also, he made a dagger shot last night to close it out. So you have the pieces where it feels like they're actually working together. Al Horford, pick and pop kind of player. Robert Williams, long athletic, can block shots. Time Lord. Yeah, you you have the pieces that actually fit now. The hardest thing to find is a two-way wing. And if you have two of them at an all-star level – Got to start paying attention to these Celtics for real. Straight talk wireless. No contract, no compromise. Aaron Rodgers actually led a teammate to a ring this weekend. That's next on ESPN2. Don't go away because we're back in just two minutes on most ESPN radio stations. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Guys, Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN Senior NBA Insider was on uh, NBA Countdown with Greeny. I want you to listen to this. Simmons is going to join them at some point, and the Nets' hope is when Brooklyn gets back after Thursday's game in Philly, uh, that Simmons at that point will be ready to start getting on the floor with his teammates and increasing his workload, getting closer to returning. That back problem uh, has been an issue for him since he's tried to start ramping up. He's essentially really just done individual work at their facility they're hoping by the end of next week the end of this week he'll be able to do more but no chance he plays thursday night there in is philly. no chance he is playing in philly why not well our our very own uh, alan yates was shocked about this he would bet everything that that ben simmons would be in philly here's the question for you jay <laughs> jay key check this out what here's the question how many games after here's the calculation he really has to do because if you're asking me do i believe he really can't play i don't I'm just cynical about it. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm cynical because it seemed obvious to me he wasn't going to play in this game. If he, in fact, could play but he's not going to play, how many games do you have to sacrifice after this game to not make it so obvious that you just skipped out on this game? That's the question for me. 
you know, forgive I, you my know, cynicism. You know, man, I'm, I'm different than y'all. You know, I think the dude really hurt. I'm not. Y'all got all this conspiracy theories to why he won't play because of the Philly no. fans. I think something really wrong with his back. That's just me. I think one million, bazillion, gillion, whatever words I can make up million. more to explain this is that the Brooklyn Nets are protecting Ben Simmons from Philly. And you know what? If, if that's not the case, then if he's really hurt, fine. If it is a case, I'm okay with it. I don't like it for Ben Simmons. I get it for his state of mind. But after the Philly game, Max, you have 15 games left. The Brooklyn Nets are just like the Lakers right now, vying for the play-in tournament. This is where we're at. It's a tough with spot. the Brooklyn Nets. By the way, let me yeah, that's a good let me let me preface this by saying if in fact his back is hurt, Ben Simmons, I apologize in advance for this. However, however, it seems to me predictable that he was not going to play in Philly. Pat Riley say, "Hey, uh, you walked in the locker room. How's your leg? Oh, it hurts, coach, but I can play." Okay, suit up. Right. <laughs> Give me 10 minutes. Give me 15. Give me something. You got 15 games left in the regular season. Jason Tatum joins KJM at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. We're back in 10 seconds. It was an eventful week around the Packers. Not the highest paid player by a little, by a wide margin. He doesn't want to just be at the top by a few million. It's got to be significant. General Manager Brian Gutekunst tells us that he doesn't want to trade Aaron Rodgers, and that if Rodgers plays in 2022, he wants it to be here. I would start with his legacy. You play at Lambeau Field, but guess what? That's going to be located at Rodgers Boulevard, and we're going to do everything within reason and then some for you to retire and retire as an all-time great. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Ready or not, huh? Okay. ESPN Radio. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. I play my enemies like a game of chess where I rest. I stress. Wait, no, see, I can't. I don't you know, I had the same A&R that. as them back yeah. in the day. What? I swear to you. Uh, my brother and I had the same A&R uh-huh. as the Fujis. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, guys, led a teammate to a ring. I'm not talking about years and years and years ago when he won his man, only why championship. why are you doing him like that, man? Well, it's true. <laughs> he officiated David Bakhtiari's wedding over the weekend. <laughs> well, as much as Bakhtiari, when he's on the field, has protected Rodgers. Bakhtiari oh, is, a, uh, is a great offensive tackle when he's I on wonder, the field. I wonder how many people are actually going to start that now that you said it. That he led a team to a ring. You can see, I mean, it's going to be all over that was, Jay's social media, yeah. I'm sure. That was Evan. That was our producer, Evan, who came up but with that. But great writing. Yes, that was. That was his A material. Sometimes if you hear me say something, I go, oh, God, it's B material. That was A material. He doesn't have a lot of A's in his back, that's for sure. After, after Michael Silver of the NFL Network reported that Rodgers is expected to make a decision by Tuesday, Bakhtiari replied with, Mike, what the actual bleep? Adam Schefter reported that he and the Packers have not engaged in any trade talks for Rodgers on Saturday. Packers have been working hard to convince Rodgers to stay, of course, and there have been talks between the team and his agents about what an extended or restructured contract would look like if he did decide to stay. But there are other teams, notably the Denver Broncos, remember we heard about this a year ago, who don't believe they're out of the running yet and have not moved on to plan B. You hire his OC to be your head coach. Everyone's talking about Denver. Where there's smoke, is there fire? Yeah, but think about it, though, uh, Max. 
they've gotta they've gotta trade him though. They they've gotta they've got his rights. They've gotta make the decision to trade him. Just because Denver hasn't moved on to Plan B doesn't mean that Green Bay is gonna just give him to him, you know. And then on top of that, what is Denver? Think about what what Adam said about Denver. They're, they don't feel they're out of the running. So does that mean that Denver's getting ready to say you can have all the number one picks for the next 50 years if they allow us to do it? Yeah. I mean, look, but forget about what Denver wants or what Green Bay wants. What about what we want here on this show? Give us something to talk about. We've decided on talk radio on KJM in the morning that this is a real possibility. And listen, uh, Rogers created this whole thing. If he never said anything, no one would be talking about any of this, right? But he was public about it. Packers don't have to trade Rodgers, as Key mentions, even if he demands a trade, according to the Packers. If you're the Packers, Jay, and Rodgers comes to you and asks for a trade, what do you do? I try to buy time. I try to buy a little bit more time. I, I don't know if I just trade him right away. Obviously, if he's going to force my hand, I try to receive as much value as possible. But off the bat, like I want to play a little chicken at first. Say, okay, I, I don't want to trade you. I, I, I wanna, oh, oh, you want to be – I thought you meant slow play it and then – Well, I do want to slow play it, uh. but I, I want to kind of set up a bar first. I, great, you want to be traded, Max, but I don't want to trade you. I need you. <laughs> How else can I make it work? I want to set that precedent well, first. Well, clearly, in, in this case, that's true. But what about Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> <laughs> Key, what do you – Key, what Come do you – get this man. Key, Key, what do you do if yeah. Rodgers – you don't have to trade him, right? But what if he says, look, I really don't want to be here anymore. That dude's not going to lead you to Super Bowl if he don't want to be there. So what do you do? You make him retire? You cut what off was, your nose what, to spite what, your face? What was my conversation with Aaron Rodgers to begin with, right? If that conversation, when he restructured – the deal this past summer uh, when he came in a training camp and we restructured his deal. Did I, did I tell Aaron Rodgers that I was going to trade him? If I told Aaron Rodgers that I was going to trade him, because if you remember, there was a lot of different reports that were out there that the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers came to an agreement that at the end of the season he could come in and, and they would trade him if, if that was his wish. It was more like a, a gentleman's, bet so to speak you know and and I think that's where you're at if I'm the general manager and and I gave him my word that at the end of the year if he wanted to seek a trade and that was the word that I gave him that we would do it based on our conversations then I got to trade him and if that was not the case you better sit your ass down somewhere and get this money and play for us yeah I get that being a man of your word and and that's the, and there are like core principles of a franchise and all that stuff is important. On the other hand, there are contracts, written contracts, and the reason for that is people's words. You know, under like there's a stress test for that key, and I I think it's admirable for people who keep their word when it's inconvenient to. Mm-hmm. But there, Jay, there are contracts for a reason, right? Like whatever people say, that's all in the ether. It's in the air. But if, but if it's not on the written page. Nevertheless, if the dude don't want to be there, if it's me, I'm not going to say, well, just retire then and get nothing for him to set precedent. No. I'm going to get something for him. Of course. No, you're right, Max. It, it, it comes a time and a place where it makes sense to move on from him because whenever a player, and I said this when I first joined the show with Jay Will and Zubin, and they didn't understand, I don't know, I think we might have been dealing with like James Harden or somebody, and I said once a player – makes his mind up, and he says to an organization in all sports, 
I don't want to be there. That player is typically moved 99.9% of the time because you don't want that around in the locker room. You don't want to have to deal with a coach walking down a hallway and the player side-eyed him every three seconds. It just It's unfair to the player. It's unfair to the organization. Can, can we just dive into this a little bit more, though? Because for me, like I wonder, yes, hypothetically always playing the what if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be there. But if Aaron didn't want to be there, and if you're hearing Brian Gutekind say that the Packers have not engaged in any trade talks, don't you think Aaron will be giving us a lot of signs about why he thinks the Packers should be engaging in trade talks? I think once he put them on blast last offseason, they kind of reformed their ways, you know, and gave yeah. him something to really think about. And, and, and on top of that, think about it. His representatives have already started communicating what a long-term extension would look like. Why would you be communicating exactly. about a long-term extension if that's not his plans is to be there. You don't need to communicate with the ball club if that's the case. You should be trying to talk to some other clubs about a long, what a long-term extension looks like. Maybe they are. Maybe they're having conversations with the Broncos we don't know about. Hmm. Yeah, but guess what? Jason, if that was the case, yeah. we would know. Jason Tatum joins KJM at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio right here. Sit tight. Keyshawn J. Willem Axe is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tatum dropped 54 points. That wasn't even the highest scoring game of the weekend. <laughs> the crown belongs to the king. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. When he went no huddle and they started to make plays. All the big games but light on time, let us catch you up. Definitely not fun ever playing against no huddle offense. Let's run the no huddle. Whether you huddle, whether you don't huddle, still comes down to just the execution. Time to get you caught up on everything from the weekend. With the no huddle, we start in the NBA where Tatum's 54 on Sunday. wasn't even the most of the weekend. That distinction belongs to the king, LeBron James, who went for 56 on Saturday night in the Lakers' 124-116 win over the Warriors. It's getting thick out there now, and the stars are stepping up. LeBron and Tatum and Jokic. The 56 are tied for the third most in James's career and is most in a game with the Lakers. Here is LeBron James with Lisa Salters on ESPN. 
on what motivated him in that 56-point performance. Desperation. I mean, uh, got a four-game losing streak. Obviously, our season been up and down, but uh, I would say desperation inspiring. We're playing inspired basketball uh, versus a really good team. We needed this win for sure. Jay, are the Lakers wasting LeBron James's efforts this year? Uh, I'm going to say down. This is what people want to see from LeBron James. They want to see him carry the lope. But you're asking him to do this at 37. I know he can do this, but you're fighting for a playing game spot. Matthew Stafford was there. He said he wanted to put on the show for him. I hear all that. But at the end of the day, I don't want LeBron James to get hurt. And I want this franchise to think about what is their long-term strategy. I was there in L.A. when they traded for Nash and Dwight. They had a big four along with Powell and Kobe. They were going to miss the playoffs. Kobe willed them into the playoffs. His ruptured his Achilles in the process, playing too many minutes at his age, was never the same. You don't want that happening to LeBron. Then again, when AD gets back, who knows? LeBron's 56 points is part of Monday Morning Roundup, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Then there's Major League Baseball, closing in on 100 days since the lockout started. On Sunday, the two sides resumed talks, but Major League Baseball spokesman Glenn Kaplan said the Players Association, this is a quote, chose to come back to us with a proposal that was worse than Monday night and not designed to move the process forward. On some issues, they even went backwards. Simply put, we are deadlocked. The MLBPA was also willing to revisit the 14-team proposal for the playoffs as Max Scherzer floated the idea of ghost wins. Here's Buster only on the best ever, best week ever on the idea of ghost wins getting talks going. In a best of, of uh, you know three series, that a team you know that had, that won a division uh, is given credit as its start of a series for a, a ghost victory. The owners are saying privately, "Look, that's not something that we're going to be open to. We want to actually play these games because we want to make revenue. If the player, whatever the player, whatever concession the players make, I think the owners need to grab onto something and say, "Okay, we might not agree to the ghost win scenario, but you know what? We're prepared." to take a big step forward with the CBT level in order to get these things going. Key, what do you think of the idea of ghost wins? I mean, I, I don't like it as a competitor, but I, you know, I certainly understand what the owners are talking about from a cash flow standpoint. Puts money in their pockets because you actually are at home and you get a, a game or two at the crib or whatever the case may be. But, you know, if you win a division, if a team wins a division, and I'm the opponent coming in and playing this team, and all they got to do is win one game to advance, then what the hell, why are we even playing the playoffs? The, the owners are, are against it because they want the revenue from an actual game play. That's yeah. one of the reasons they want expansion. But I do see the wisdom in some of the teams saying, wait a minute, there should be a serious advantage for winning your division as opposed to being a wild card. So we only the NBA does that in sort of in the in the in the um, wild card cuz the 8 9 sorry the 7 8 if you're the it has to win fewer games than the 9 10 right in order to advance All yeah right. i just don't think that i just think it's at a disadvantage for the opponent coming in that did not win the division mm. In the NFL, the Cowboys are – well, that's the, that is right, and that is the idea. The Cowboys are likely to release wide receiver Amari Cooper, sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter on Friday. Amari Cooper is due $20 million in fully guaranteed money on March 20th. They cut Cooper. He counts $6 mil against the salary cap, but not $22 million. Here's Dan Graziano on the market for Amari Cooper. 
Two teams I'm watching closely are the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots for a very specific reason. Those are two teams that are very, very good about maintaining their ability to get compensatory picks. But Amari Cooper, because he's being cut before the start of the league year, won't count against the compensatory pick formula. That makes him an appealing free agent to teams that are very conscious of that and also have needs at wide receiver. New England and Baltimore, certainly two of those teams. Excellent work by Dan Graziano. As always, what's the best landing spot for Amari Cooper, Key? Well, I, I got a couple. I think you start off by thinking about the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you, Rashad Bateman is there. They drafted out of Minnesota. Then you got Hollywood Brown. You get a veteran You get a veteran presence like Amari Cooper certainly can help. But then you go to the flip side and you look at the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know what type of money Kansas City would be willing to pay him. And then you always got the Raiders. The Raiders are there. They need a guy. He can revisit the Raiders. Amari so Cooper is a really, really talented and good wide receiver. I think that the numbers caught up to the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't want to pay for that type of production. I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to sign him back because maybe the market isn't quite where he wanted to be in terms of money. You know, guys think that maybe he can get 16, 615, 16, 17 million in the open market, and maybe it's a little less than that, and the Cowboys want to get back in it. Yeah, Mike T was talking on this just in. Excellent show, handsome host, 2 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. He was talking on Friday about how the, the wideout market may look more like the running back market because there's so many wideouts in this draft that the supply might have the price come down a bit mm. on wideouts. And Key, you maybe. just mentioned if that market doesn't develop, maybe he goes back to the Cowboys. But what fun would that be? Okay. Um, and in Durham, North Carolina. Jay, I don't know if you heard about this, but all eyes were on Mike Krzyzewski. Oh. As he coached his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. The Blue Devils led by as many as nine in the first half, but were outscored by 15 in the second half and upset by unranked North Carolina. Man, when rivals play, you got to throw that stuff out the window. Here's Coach K addressing the crowd after the stunning loss to their rivals. This isn't part of the program, this is impromptu by me. I'm sorry about this afternoon. That, no, please, no. Please, everyone be quiet. Let me just say, it's unacceptable. Today was unacceptable, but the season has been very acceptable. And, uh, and I'll tell you, the season isn't over, all right? Jay, you were there. <laughs> what was it like in the building for Coach K's last game? I mean, the environment was incredible. Um, you know, 90 former players back all behind the bench. Um, you know, we had every celebrity there possible. The outcome was disappointing. And the reason why the out- outcome was disappointing, I'll keep it real with you as a, as a, as a player, was that when you know it's your coach's last game, I know that comes along with a lot of pressure. But there was something that was revealed with our team that we lack leadership. We lack a sense of urgency. We looked really young. Like the moment was bigger than we can actually handle. And I I give North Carolina a lot of credit. They have four guys that scored 83 points. Manic looked great. I give them the respect they deserve. Uh, There's a lot to unpack there, though, considering North Carolina didn't give Coach K a goodbye or farewell kind of ceremony pregame like every other school has gone to. And I think you saw that kind of trickle into uh, the handshake line after the game. 
Well, look, this is coming, what you just heard. You have to, you have to understand that you're listening to, you know, at Grant Hill and Christian Later, all the great players who went through Duke. Jay is right there with all those guys. That's why his number is in the rafters. That's why, you know, two-time player of the year plus national champion. You're going to feel one way. You can't call it objective. Let's bring someone in on Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance, who maybe can give us more of a, more of a, a take of someone who is not so emotionally wrapped up in the moment. Not okay. questioning what you're saying. Right. I'm saying it's coming from a strong point it's of view. It's objective, though, too. I'm sure that's true. Let's bring in Seth Greenberg, Jay. Because his number is not retired in the rafters. Okay. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, Maxie. What's up there, my buddy Jay Williams? You know, Key, you know, I'm salty. Wife. I'm salty. What's that? Salty. Okay. He is salty. Like, Coach, what do you think of Duke's performance against UNC? I thought they were emotionally exhausted by the second half. I thought that everyone joked about, you know, oh, are you emotional? Are you emotional? Well, it was an emotional day. It was an emotional week. Uh, it was an event. It was something bigger than a basketball game. It was Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Those guys, whether they were loose the day before in practice or weren't loose the day before in practice, uh, you know, in the end, they saw those 90 players. Uh, they saw the circus that surrounded the game that was different than any game, even at Duke. Uh, and they got caught up in it. Uh, I thought that, look, I knew the first four minutes was going to be a mess for Duke. There, there was no doubt about it. I mean, you know, everything that was transpiring, it was so different. It was so out of routine. Coach K coming out early, taking the picture with the former players, uh, everything that w- went on around the game before the game. You know, so you knew that they were going to come out that, you know, you know, when Jay said it was bigger than them, yeah, yeah that event was bigger than them. There's no doubt about it. Now, when the game started, I thought they settled in. Uh, but I thought the second half they were emotionally spent. And on the other hand, I thought that North Carolina, quite honestly, uh, had a absolutely perfect game plan uh, to attack the way Duke plays. Uh, what, what, Jay, what you said about leadership, you, you would want it from Wendell Moore. Let's face it. I mean, that's who you'd want it from. Uh, I don't disagree with you in terms of that. I don't think they have a guy that's just going to grab everyone like you, know, like you would have done in, in, in a huddle or a timeout where you would have you know, grabbed a guy and looked someone in the eye and say, hey, let's go. But I don't even think they had that in them. Here's my bigger problem with how, how, how Duke played, and it's real simple. That, that, that spread ball screen that they set in the second half of R.J. Davis, they didn't figure it out the whole game. Mm-hmm. Like, if you continue to do the same thing, Carolina was going to continue to score. And that's just the way it was. And then offensively, when the game got tight, and I've been saying this all season long, they don't know who to go to. So they all took bad shots. So I thought it was a great event. Um, you know, it was, uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was bigger than a basketball game. But, uh, you know, I think they were emotionally exhausted. But I do agree with you. They lack an on-court leader, and they definitely lack. And this is when you have so many good players, all right, at the end of the game, you, sometimes you don't know who to go to. Like, your team knew who to go to. They were going to go to Jay Williams. When I coached against J.J. Reddick, they were going to go to J.J. Reddick. All right, the championship teams have a guy they're going to play through at the end of the game. I don't care if it's the NBA, college, or high school. That team doesn't know who they're going to play through. Like if it's Palabin then you know what, dude? Where do you want to catch the ball? You want to catch the ball on the left block? Then get it on the left block. We'll get it to you there. So I, I think that's kind of what happened at the end. But I thought it was an incredible day, but uh, not the fairy tale ending everyone wanted. Yeah, Seth, 
you know, regardless of whether you are an advocate of the handshake line or not, if you're opposed to it, wh- what are your thoughts on what happened at the end of the game where Chris Carrawell did not shake the hand of Hubert Davis, the head coach of North Carolina? Chris Carrawell being an assistant coach of Duke, by the way. Yeah, I thought it was disrespectful. You respect the game, you respect your opponent. And, you know, again, I don't know what happened before the game. I don't know what happened. You know, whether, whether they honored Kay uh, before North Carolina's game, that's their prerogative. All right? I, you know, I'm sure they did something in, in a private setting, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. So I, I'm not on the form. But here's the deal. Win or lose, you take the high road. You catch more bees with honey. You know, these guys got to understand, and I, I'm not going to mention it, but I sent the text message to someone that I care about dearly. And I said this to him. I said, the camera's always on you. The camera's always on you. And you know what? Your social media is your resume. And if the camera's always on your social media, you know what? It, it, it's so much smarter to take the, the high road. It, you know, is it symbolic or something? Yeah, look a guy in the eye and say, good game. I'll tell Coach K did. It was a, it was a blow by. No Jay Will, no shoulder pat. But, uh, but yeah, you, you respect him. You also, you know, whether you like it or not, you've got those players behind you, all right? And they're going to mirror your image. I say, I'm going to say the same thing I said, you know, after the Juwan Howard thing. It's your responsibility as a leader to set the standard. And the standard is a standard. You know what? You respect your opponent. Win or lose, you respect your opponent. Because sure as hell, if they won that game, they were going to be shaking hands. Mm. Seth, how do you feel about Duke heading into the tournament? Uh, for, for the reasons I said, Key, Key here's my thing. Duke, Duke is to, to win the national championship to get, they could get knocked out of the second round. And, and here's my reason. Uh, you're going to play close games in the NCAA tournament. That's just the way it is. Uh, and, you know, we had the conversation on game day about, you know, whether no, number one seed or number two seed. Well, you've got a number one seed now. They're going to go on the road. They're not going to get set to Chicago or, or, or be local. And if you're going to go on the road, second round, you're going to play a pretty good team. And that pretty good team, if it's a close game, or, or, or in your third game, it's a close game. Who are you going to? Like, Jay Will, you, you, I know you follow your team now, I know, and I know you love your team, all right, in terms of you want to see another banner hung. I mean, you want to see another banner hanging next to your banner. Who, like, I think they got to go to Bad Carroll. But you, uh, uh, do you have any idea where Bad Carroll wants to catch the ball? Do you think he, do you think he wants the ball? Well, here's the problem I have with this. Like, do you think he wants the ball? He, they play – it's a lot of iso ball. And, like, the lack of movement, I think, is something that really hurts his team, right? Like, they can't play basketball the way that we played when we had Shane Battier, Mike Denleby, Carlos Boozer. We had guys that could spread the court, guys that had high basketball IQs, and guys that had experience. This team lacks experience. So, a lot of times, I just saw the ball handed to Paolo, and it was like, hey, go do your thing. And the, the thing that Duke lacks is dynamic guard play. Like, dynamic guard play wins you championships. Look at Baylor last year. Look at Gonzaga and Jalen Suggs. I got them there, right? Yeah. So, if is that Jeremy Roach coming off the bench? Trevor Kills doesn't seem to be doing no, that at a high Trevor level. Keels. Trevor Kills is the most dynamic guard they have because he's so powerful and so strong. Like, the end of the games, and I charted it because you know me, I have no life. At the end of the games, the ball ends up in Trevor Kills' hands. He ta- he's taken every game they've lost down the stretch. He's taken a good majority of the shots, whether the ball ends up with him on a short clock, or he wants it. Now, like, it can't be A.J. Griffin because A.J. Griffin got shut down by, by Leaky Black. He couldn't, he couldn't get himself freed up, and he's a, not good enough off the bounce to create separation himself. But, but here's my thing on the thing. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you need a dynamic guard. But, I mean, the same thing happened in, in, in Zion's last game against Michigan State. They didn't get in the ball where he needed to get the ball. Like, I think they've got to sit down and say, all right, forget about isolate. Because Paolo's like a little kid at Christmas. He's got so many toys. All right, he doesn't know which one to use. Early in the game, he made shots. He was explosive. He played off the elbow. He attacked. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Second half, not so much. So, like, to me, if I was coaching, I'm not a Hall of Fame coach. I don't have a 1,000 wins, so please don't at me. But I think I have a little bit of understanding how to, how, what you want to do. All right? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll equate it to, Keith, you knew exactly, like, your favorite route, where you wanted to catch the ball, where, where you wanted to catch the ball, how you wanted to get open. I would Absolutely. think. And that's what the great ones do. They know exactly, you know, what their go-to play is. I would sit down with Powell and say, Powell, where do you want the ball? We're going to get you the ball at the end of the game. Where do you want the ball? I'll figure out a way to get you the ball in that spot. Seth, and I've been saying this all season long. They don't have that. Seth, I, I wanted to bring it back to the handshake line just because I wanted to provide context. And I'm not saying it provides reasoning for why he didn't shake his hand because I, I actually think that that's unacceptable, right? I, I think that's kind of Bush League uh, from Chris Carroll. And I, I'll make that statement openly. Um, but so Hubert Davis supposedly walked out pregame and didn't shake any of the assistant coaches' hands and walked by them and went and just shook Coach K's hand. So that, that was the reasoning behind it. Um, look, I, I get that we're in rivalries. Um, I get that there was a lot of frustrating feelings from North Carolina not you know, honoring Coach K pregame. That's the way they chose to do it. It's a rivalry. I, I respect that. At the end of the day, it made me want to kick their butt even more that game. And, but I still think you honor the game. I'm also not a fan of the handshake line. Like I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Doesn't mean that I am an advocate of the way Chris Carroll handled that situation because he should have shaken Hubert's mm-hmm. hand. Um, and I think all these things can be true at the same time. I just, you know, for me, when you when you get into games like that and you see the way North Carolina was flexing on on Duke's court, like that's what a rivalry is. That's that's what this thing has been throughout the history of yeah. Duke, North Carolina. And it doesn't mean you have to like it. Um, doesn't mean that you have to appreciate the other team's actions, but you still honor the game. That's how I look at it. Yeah, look, I, I look, I don't disagree with it. Like before the game, like here's the deal that that was, as you know, that was such an event before the game. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't get in anyone's mind. I, I just know that you know. I, I'm trying to think of if there was times I didn't shake every single assistant saying when I came out to to before game. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but. Here's the thing, and like, and Nolan turned away, and I'm sure Nolan, you know, and I, I love Nolan Smith. All right, my brother actually was an assistant coach for the Clippers, coach his dad. I've watched his career. I absolutely uh, think the world of him. Uh, it's just cer- certain things that, you know, if you're going to have a handshake line, which you do at the end of the game, you don't have a handshake line before the game. You have a handshake line at the end of the game. If you're going to have it. Then, then respect your opponent, especially in a loss. Because I guarantee you, Chris Carroll, he would have shook hands if they won. I, I guarantee you, he would have shook hands if they won. And no, that's not the end all. It doesn't make him a bad human being. And we all we all do, you know, make, make decisions that maybe we look back to him. I probably should have handled that better, Coach. But get back back to the game. They 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 can win a national championship. They got they got they got to get better on the ball. They got to figure out their ball screen coverage because they got torched, torched in their ball. KJ. Davis torched him in the coach. So, so Seth Greenberg, before we let you go, we don't have a lot of time, but like in 30 seconds, 
college basketball season's heating up, and that means the Wendy's Wooden Watch has begun. Go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch for the list of Wooden Award nominees to watch as the season rolls on. Coach, who should win the Wooden Award? Give it to me in 30 seconds. Oscar Sheboy. The dude is unbelievable. I mean, like, he rebounds balls in his area, out of his area. If one of his teammates is trying to rebound it, forget about it. He's knocking him over, too. And then where he's improved is he's scoring it right now. He was terrific this past week. And they're playing through Oscar Sheboy now. Uh, he's ducking it off the block. He's shooting elbow jumpers. He runs the floor. Oscar Sheboy is the, is, is, is the way he's the player, the basement award winner. There's no, they, it's a non-debate. The Wooden Watch is brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Coach, thank you as always. Thank you. Can I get a Frosty? <laughs> Why Jay thinks the Lakers are wasting LeBron's efforts. Yes, Jay. I have sunglasses on right now. My, I, yeah, I, I, was ran, I scratched my right eye during the night, I, I guess, it because it's tearing. I, I got it on tape. That's next. KJM on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.